Hey, welcome to the Beware the Moon podcast. My name is Hannah, and I am your host on this horror movie review podcast. Today, we are going someplace real special. We're going right to space. In space, all I think about is you and me. An atmosphere. If you know the song, you can brag about it. It's Ludo. Anyway, uh, we're going into space where no one can hear you scream. Just kidding. That's not the movie we're talking about today. But if you do get the reference, brag about it in the comments below. No, we're going into infinite space, infinite terror. That is to say, Event Horizon. For those of you unaware, Event Horizon is a movie that came out in 1997. So... Basically, um, don't expect really good CGI in this movie. I promise you it's as good as it could get in 1997. I also think it's probably better than some CGI I've seen in movies in like 2005. So uh, that's saying a lot. Also, they don't really rely on CGI a lot, thank God. Um, they do a lot of practical effects, which is fun. But this movie features Sam Neill. Uh, and his career is just perfection to me. That dude is in so many bangers, it's not even funny. Like, he's got Jurassic Park, of course, but he's also got this. He's got In the Mouth of Madness. He's in Omen 3. He's, like, low-key a hard hitter for horror movies. Um, and if he's in a movie, you know it's gonna be fun. At very least, it's gonna be fun. And then we also have Lawrence Fishburne, uh, more commonly known as Morpheus, uh, he's amazing in this. I love his performance. I love every performance I've ever seen of Lawrence Fishburne. So, and then we also have Jason Isaacs, which is like so random for those of you who, who are like, who, who is that? Uh, that's, uh, Lucius Malfoy. So that's pretty fun here too. I remember the first time I watched this, I was like, who the fuck is that guy? Why does he look so familiar? Why does he sound so familiar? And when I looked it up, I was mind blown. So anyway, not everybody who had who was in Harry Potter, you know, made their career off of Harry Potter. Some guys had some careers before Harry Potter, okay? It's not weird. Um, I thought it was weird. It's not. Anyway, um, so they are amazing in this movie. The acting in this movie is just amazing in general. Um, also, Smith in this movie, he's in Dog Soldiers. So if you're a fan of Dog Soldiers, um, you'll recognize Smith, too. Um, this movie, uh, it's kind of strange because it has its own, like, legends surrounding it and its own sort of mystery in real life. Supposedly, there's, like, two hours worth of missing footage that nobody has. It just went missing. The director filmed a ton of stuff and was going to try and use a ton of it in the movie, but the company was like, no, we don't want that, and it this movie was sort of the director's baby. Um, so it, it, this movie just has a lot of weird convoluted like stuff going on behind the scenes. I strongly urge you to look into that if you're into like real life myths, you know, creepypasta type stuff. That's really cool to look into. But anyway, we're going to talk about the actual movie itself. And like I said, it's got some some CGI, not a ton. Um, they obviously did not film this in the Vomit Comet. They do fake gravity for a lot of it, which is nice. Um, I think that's super cool. Um, but it's also a um, really good movie. There's a lot of aesthetic to it and a lot of creep factor. It's very atmospheric. It's also in space, and to me, space is like the scariest frontier to be on. Because even if you're in the ocean, you're like, okay, I can swim eventually to shore or I can find a boat. Or like, you know, there's always something, I guess, you can do. But 
in space, you're just, you're fucked. You're just fucked. And these guys are super fucked. I'll explain why when I'm going through it. But I highly recommend this movie. Um, like I said, very atmospheric, very fun storyline, I think. Uh, very different from what you would normally see in space. Because usually space movies, they go out there and there's like aliens or some shit. Or, you, you know, you get fucked over because you're... you're flux capacitor breaks or whatever the hell but out here there there's a just like some real fun stuff so i recommend this one it's also a cult classic it kind of bombed in 97 but since then it's picked up a lot of popularity so if you're one of those people out there who's looking to look into hard-hitting horror classics who's looking for um going a little bit beneath the just surface layer of horror this is one of those Horror fans definitely have, like, different layers, and depending on what you've seen kind of marks you as a certain type of horror fan, you know, and this is one of those ones that's, like, you know, second or third tier at least, so highly recommend it, and it's a lot of fun. Um, anyway, now that's my non-spoiler review. Let's get into the spoilers. So we've got the opening credits. They kind of remind me of Men in Black a little bit, um, but we get, like, these cards basically that tell us you know what's going on it's 2040 um you're in space and it's like 2040 there's the ship called the event horizon it's a ex deep space exploratory ship and it goes missing in 2040 when it starts its maiden voyage and honest to god this is the least stable looking ship i've ever seen in my life there's like you've got your cockpit and then this long skinny neck all the way down to the engine block that does the fancy shit that's what we find out later and it just looks like um you ran out of legos or some shit like i don't even know like <laughs> i would not want to be on that shit so 2040 this thing takes its maiden voyage kind of funny now how not so far that is from us but then in 2047 uh this bitch pops back up and uh so it's 2047 now we've got some cool space vision shit going on um sam neil is introduced here and that's great because obviously he's going to be one of our main characters here he says something about missing claire and then we don't really know who Claire is, but he's got a ton of pictures of her. He's got, like, a little shrine of her. So you kind of ascertain that it's probably his girlfriend or his wife or something like that. And then as he's, like, shaving, I think it is, we, like, push out. And he's on this space station jungle gym looking thing. And he's being picked up by the Lewis and Clark. The Lewis and Clark is a much more stable looking vessel. Uh, if I had to pick one of the three vessels we've seen so far, Lewis and Clark every time. I don't want to be on the space station jungle gym. I don't want to be on this stupid slingshot looking ship. I want to be on this, the Lewis and Clark. Um, but it's a search and rescue vessel. We get a lot of fun space stuff going on. Um, we've got, you know, Lawrence Fishburne in the cockpit with Smithy. Uh, Teddy, I think his name is. They call him uh, Baby Bear. And then we also have, um, oh man, I forget her name. I'll remember as we go on. Right now, we don't really get character names, so it's hard. Forgive me. But they're in the cockpit of the ship, and they're setting coordinates and doing stuff, and we've got a lot of fun space-looking chairs. Um, and 
then everybody goes down below and at this point you're still very confused because everyone's doing space google gobble words um but it looks like they're getting ready to like hypersleep somehow in some way in some form and everybody's like stripping down to their skivvies getting to the undies and uh this is kind of when i realized that sam neil has never had an ass which is just like a weird side note because in the last jurassic park movie i noticed um sam neil also had no ass in that movie um just because men at some point sit down somewhere and when they get up they lose their ass it just happens to them we call i call it we call it flat ass in this house so sam neil had flat ass in this movie but Back in 97, still suffering from flat ass, so maybe he just never had one. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it's also established that Sam Neill's some kind of doctor. So Dr. Sam Neill wakes up first before everybody else, and um, he's hearing some voices, and he's kind of like, hello? And then he's following the voices through the ship, and he gets to the cockpit, and he's talking to who he thinks is Claire, and he's like, Claire, it's okay now, blah, blah, blah. And then he gets to the cockpit and the captain's chair turns around and Claire's the captain now. But she also has no eyes, so maybe a bad choice. Um, but then it's a dream sequence, so we're fine. Captain is still captain. He still has eyes. We're good on that. Um, and it's like kind of a jump scare, which is fun. And he wakes up for reals. Um, he's been in the chamber for 56 days, they say. And these are called... Um, gravity couches um or gravity sofas something like that um very strange but whatever um he wakes up and we're getting some more character stuff going on so peters she's one of the females on the ship um she has a kid and she is like not happy to be here she's watching f videos of her son her handicapped son and the captain is trying to sympathize with her. He says, you know, I tried to find someone else, but on such short notice, this is life now, you know? And then the doctor has kind of been trying to, like, introduce himself and kind of buddy up to the captain. And the captain's just, like, not having it. Captain is Lawrence Fishburne, by the way. And uh, so Dr. Weir finally is allowed to introduce himself to the crew. And the crew is introduced to him. And he's trying to do his, like, so happy to be here speech. And the captain is like, listen, buddy, no one is happy to be here. We're out beyond the closest space station, like, so too far. The last time someone came out this far for a search and rescue mission, both vessels were lost. So he's basically like, you know, this is a suicide mission. And he's like, we were all called off vacation to come here. So it's like quadruple suck. Um... And he's like, what the hell are we here for? Uh, no one even told us. So Dr. Sam Neill is like, have you guys heard of the Event Horizon? And they were like, of course we have. That was like such a huge big deal back then. You know, it went out into space and just kablooied. And he's like, actually, that's not what happened. Everything the public was told about the Event Horizon is a lie. Um, he said... My The Event Horizon was supposed to be a deep space exploration ship. And he's like, you know, my ship could go further than anybody else's. And they were like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, you can't travel the speed of light. And he's like, no, but what you do instead is you fold space. So basically, he takes a piece of paper, puts two holes on either side, and says, what's the fastest point between these two holes? And they say a straight line. And he's like, no, if you fold the piece of paper, 
you can put the holes in the same place at the same time. He's like, that's what my ship does. You put the holes in the same place at the same time. It goes through this portal and then it's on the other side. That's how it travels so fast. So, so far, so fast. And they're like, well, how do you know this? And he's like, I built it. And they're like, that's so cool. Yay. So he explains to them that it spat itself out approximately where they're at um, and sent out a distress signal. Um, they were unable to verify anybody on board, like there was no live contact, but what they found was a recording, and there's lots of horrified screams, and then Lucius Malfoy is like, hey, that's Latin in the background, and they're like, what does it say? And he says the Latin words, and he translates, and he's like, save me. And uh, um, I love that we're still using radios in space, like literal handheld radios. <laughs> They're trying to make contact with the ship again and verify if there's anyone alive, and they've literally got, like, walkie-talkie radios. <laughs> so good. Welcome to 1997, everybody. So they're doing their, like, special readings now that they're up against the ship, and they've got trace lifeform readings, but it's all over the ship, and there's no, like, pinpoint location. So this is when... Sam Neill explains, engineering is in the rear, personnel is in the front. Like I said, this ship seems really stupidly designed, but he says, you know, the foredeck can be separated from the aft and used as a lifeboat. So if something goes wrong in engineering, you can be like, fuck it, we ball, we're out, and then blow up that big tube, and then you just have the deck, and that can be a lifeboat. So that's not so bad. I guess it's not as bad as I was thinking, but... Uh, so a few of the crew goes on to the event horizon just to check things out, see if there is actually any life on board. And uh, Baby Bear is going to engineering, and the engineering deck is literally Ripley's museum, like that spinny walkway. Um, and Justin, actually that's his name, not Teddy, it's Justin. I was thinking Baby Bear, Teddy Bear, Justin, it's fine. Justin, baby bear, says it kind of looks like a meat grinder. And uh, he's not wrong. They find blood on the bridge of the ship, which would be um, the captain's area. Um, and it's kind of like, just like smattered. It's not really, like, it doesn't make any sense where it's at. And there's no bodies at that point. Um, and, and as Justin's going along, he's getting towards the engine and it's like, it's like a fucking lament configuration looking son of a bitch. Like, we're all of a sudden in Hellraiser and I'm just like, what the fuck, Weir? That's Sam Neill. Like, Dr. Weir, what the fuck? Why'd you design this bitch so spooky? Like, is that really necessary? Like, why did you have to put spikes on everything? <laughs> so fucking dumb. Weir is secretly goth. Hardcore emo. Um... They're also traveling to the front of the ship, like I said. Everyone's kind of split up doing different things. Scooby-Doo style, very good, wise choice. Um, and they're trying to find the ship's log. And Weir explains to them where to find it. And they go to get retrieve it. And it's literally a CD that pops out of a fucking CD player. And that is just so funny to me. <laughs> a lot of people these days, a lot of kids these days, don't know what a CD player is. Um, let alone, like, like, they would just see that and be like, what is that? It's so funny. Anyway, um, after they eject the ship's log out of the CD player, 
um, the person ejecting it, I think it's the, the lieutenant, she turns around and there's just a frozen dead body floating around uh, with no eyes. It's really spooky. It's really cool. I dig it. Um, Justin, he's going, like I said, he's out back in engineering because he's their engineer. He is so responsible. Before he starts fucking around with that stupid little lament configuration engine, he scans for life forms. So good. So, um, apparently the lament configuration bullshit is the core gravity drive, Weir says. Um, it has such sights to show Justin, I'm sure. Um, as Justin is standing there, it decides to activate, um, and he touches the core. It's got this, like, weird, like, goopy-goppy film that kind of looks like mercury, and Justin touches it, which, why would you do that? It literally looks like mercury, Justin. I know you know what mercury, mercury looks like. But he touches it, which is a bad idea. Mayday, the goop pulls him in, and his suit starts going off. The sensors in his suit start going off. So Cooper, um, who is the other black guy who's not Lawrence Fishburne, he is our um, retrieval technician. So he's basically the big brave one who goes and rescues people in the real tough spots. So he, of course, is activated. He goes in to save Justin. While things in the Lewis and Clark go kaplooey, everything is kind of pip-popping and exploding, and they have to get the fuck out of there, and the Lewis and Clark is just fucked. And for no apparent reason, no one really knows why. So as that's happening, Cooper gets Justin, Lewis and Clark jump to Event Horizon, and Lieutenant activates the gravity in the ship, so then the body just, the floating dead body just hits the ground and crumbles into shatters and it's super fucking fun and then of course like we're all trying to figure out what the hell is happening now so lewis and clark their ship is fucked um event horizon we also don't know what happened to the crew here what's going on with the ship and the lieutenant informs them that they only have enough air for 20 hours if they combine shit from both the lewis and clark and the event horizon so that's not looking great we're on a time crunch now, which adds a lot of fun to the film. So um, there's some fun blood splat looking web things in the hull of the Event Horizon. And Captain is like, what the hell happened here, Weir? And Weir's like, mm -hmm. Cooper tells them what he saw. And that being the core activating, the goopy gop. He, of course, does not know how to, he doesn't know what that means. He's just telling them what he saw. Like, he's like, this is what happened. This is what was going on. And Weir says that's not possible possible because it means the portal opened and that the core gravity matrix whatever thingamajig activated itself. And that's just not possible. Uh, and of course, Weir has a viable explanation that's reasonable and rational and grounded in reality. Um, and it's extremely unlikely, but um, he's like, I gotta have a good explanation for what Justin Cooper saw. And we don't actually know what Justin saw because he is blep and we do not know why. Um, he's not responding. Literally, they're like, all of his vitals are good. He's breathing okay. He's just in a coma. He could wake up in two minutes or he can wake up in five days. Like, we have no idea. Um, so, after Cooper and Weir get into it and the captain's like, none of this shit, um, Weir explains that the core is just a black hole generator. Um, the portal could have theoretically taken Justin where the event horizon has been before. 
and that's not good. Peters is looking at the log with a catatonic Justin and she hears noises. Um, so then she's like, of course, she's like, is it Justin? Justin is still blep. He's still passed out. She's hearing weird noises. She grabs a knife from the surgical table. And then we get this spooky medical tent. Like one of the tables has formed a medical tent over itself. And as she's watching, the tent unzips and it's her son. And she looks at him and his legs are fucking rotting. And then, of course, it's a hallucination. DJ, who is Lucius Malfoy, saves the day. He comes up and he's like, hey, what's wrong with you? And she's like, oh. And then they they kind of, uh, they kind of show the log of the event horizon to everybody else. And it's just kind of like, um, you know, exactly what you would want to find. Um, we're not sipping mimosas. We're not kicking back, relaxing, catching those star rays. No, everything is screaming and it's cutting out and we don't see anything going on. Um, so of course, um, we got to figure out what the fuck that's about, which is great. And as they're doing that, Weir goes to the core to figure out what the fuck is happening and Captain's with them and literally, like, for someone who was so smart, Weir designed this so stupidly. Like, he clearly was not thinking about, like, what if this gets to be, like, spooky? Like, what if what if there's a murderer on board? What if there's an alien on board? Because he literally built this thing with crawling hallways of innards. Like, he opens up a hatch and starts crawling through this bitch, and there's just walls of circuitry, and he's literally crawling on all fours to figure out what the fuck is wrong. Um, as he's doing that, Justin just goes haywire. Like, he starts seizing, and they shoot him up with some stuff. Weir hears Claire as things go dark in the innards, and he tries to fix his shit. And, of course, he hears her, and then he sees her again. And he's, like, freaking out. And the captain, who's waiting over by the engine itself, he didn't crawl into the innards with Weir. Good choice, captain. He's standing there, and this flaming body comes out beneath the core to spook him. And Captain Miller, that's his name, he's, like, a really reasonable guy. He's like, it is what it is. I see what I see. I don't give a fuck about reality because shit's wild. So, he's standing there. There's water beneath the core. This flaming body comes out. He recognizes it. And he's like, fuck this, basically. So then it cuts to, we're in the hole again. The crew is all freaking out about these hallucinations. Um, you know, Peter says what she saw. Miller, Captain Miller explains what he saw. Weird denies seeing things and hearing things. But, you know, Captain's like, I know what I saw. And I know what's, I know that I saw it. Like, it wasn't a hallucination. I was hot. Like, it was hot in there. It was real. And he's, like, asking anybody else if they've seen or heard anything. And Smitty says, uh, he says, I don't have to see anything to know the ship is fucked, sir. And DJ wigs out a bit. He's like, nothing is wrong, blah, blah, blah. Typical denial shit. And Miller just, like, it's really great because Miller shows right away the command he has over his crew. Like, he's like, calm down now. And they basically do. It's great. He's like um, a, a dad to the whole crew somehow. Or maybe, like, um, a dog's owner, and everybody is a dog on this ship, except we're... So that's cool. It's kind of what you need in a situation like this. Um, the lieutenant has a theory that she tells Captain Mirror, Miller, sorry, and she's like, the ship has only been doing weird shit since we've been on it. 
So I think the ship is reacting to us. And of course, Captain Miller's like, that's not even a theory. That's just ridiculous. And she's like, I mean, that's what I got, though. Like, everything that's happening is ridiculous, Captain. And she's like, it's treating us like we're a virus. It's trying to expel itself of the virus. And he's like, that's stupid. Walks away. Then we cut to Peter's pacing. Uh, she's pacing through the med room. And, of course, we see Justin pans away. She paces back. And, of course, he's not there. Um, and so Peter's runs to the hall and is like, um what the fuck? Um, and they're trying to fix the Lewis and Clark, by the way, because they know that the Event Horizon is not necessarily a viable space shuttle. Like, they're like, it could randomly do whatever the hell it did to the crew before. We don't want that to happen, so let's fix the Lewis and Clark, get all of our stuff back on the Lewis and Clark, throw ourselves in the grav couches, and get ourselves back, and then we can send more people out here if need be, you know, whatever. So as they're fixing stuff, this is when Justin goes missing. Peters gets to the hall and is telling everybody, hey, Justin's escaping. I don't know where he went. And they close the hole behind her, the whole door, and it starts, like, being punched in by something. We get some fun Freddy Krueger effect here. And Weir's, like, entranced by it, and he's like, oh, open the door. And you're like, fuck you, Weir, no. So they tackle him um, and to the ground, and they're like, what the hell is wrong with you? we got to find Justin. So Justin, it turns out, is in the airlock. And what that means is there's the door to the space, to the space, the vacuum, the void, the thing that will definitely murder your face dead. Then there's the airlock. And then there's the door that leads into the ship itself and gives you air. So Justin is in the airlock. So he's got one foot in space and one foot in safety, basically. And he is not listening to anybody. They're like, Justin, you need to come back. You need to open the door for us. Like, do not open the other door. Open this door. And he's like, if you knew about the darkness and saw what it showed me, you know, you wouldn't be trying to stop me. You know, the other place, blah, blah, blah. So fun spooky mumbo jumbo from typically possessed person. And they're like, Justin, we can help you. Just open the door. So he goes to open the door and instead, and it it's so funny to me that you would put these two buttons right next to each other. <laughs> because the one button would fucking kill you, and the other button would save you. But the door to the airlock is right next to the door to space. <laughs> so they think he's gonna go push the door to the airlock, and instead he pushes the door to outer space. But it's on a delay for some reason, and as soon as he presses it, there's like a countdown that begins, and Justin comes to, and he's like, begging them to open the door he's like please let me in I don't want to die and they're like Justin we can't just open this door like we can't do that um and the reason they can't do that y'all if you don't know anything about space is that the ship will implode it'll crumple up like a soda can if they were to do that and then they would all be fucked obviously so they can't do that even though it's killing them like Peters has like tears in her eyes and so he he's like crying to them to open the door and Captain Miller is on his way. He's outside the spaceship helping with the repair of Lewis and Clark. So he's zooming trying to get to Justin in time and he's giving instructions and he's like I need you to put your hands over your ears, over your eyes, and you close your eyes and you do this and that and the other. And as the doors open he grabs him and holds him into the air open airlock. Then they close the door to space and they open the door to the interior, and um, he's still alive. He loses a ton of blood, but he's still alive. 
which um, space would have instantly killed him, but okay, whatever, you know, I'm here for the ride, it's whatever. And Weir is clearly losing it. He, no one has any faith in anything that he's saying because he's just flipping shit. And by that, I mean he's freaking out. Like, he's like, I don't understand what's going on. I don't know what's happening. This is stupid. And they only have four hours of air left. So they're like, we just have to, we just have to figure something out. So Peters goes back to the hole because she refuses to go back to med. And she's trying to figure out the log. Weir's theory is no, nothing. Nothing is happening. We're all just hallucinating. There's fluctuations in the black hole that are causing us to... And then the captain, like, punches him in the face. Um, just kidding. He doesn't actually punch him in the face. He's like, that's stupid. I need an actual explanation. And Weir is like, I, I, none of this should be happening. I just need time to sort through it, and then I'll have an answer for you. Which is definitely not true, but whatever. So then the captain is alone, he hears a man begging for his life, and he sees a vision of the Event Horizon crew suffering. The guy he hears begging for his life is an old crewmate of his that he couldn't save. And then that's when he's hit with the visions of the Event Horizon crew suffering. The captain goes and confesses to DJ, the guy he left behind on a different mission is the guy he's seeing. And I guess the guy was on fire and in space, and the captain had to leave him because, like, he just had to. The dude was, like, in space and on fire. Um, and you can really only take care of, like, one of those two problems at one time. So um, I guess he said the fire just moved over him like liquid, and if that's happening, yeah, I, I really don't think, unfortunately, that you're salvageable at that point. So um, DJ confesses that he's been listening to the original recording again, and he thinks he made a mistake in translating the distress signal. He says, I don't think it says save me. I think it's save yourself from hell. Um, he says, you know, and everybody, this is like a hard situation to deal with if you're in their shoes, and I think this movie is very rushed. It is like an hour and a half long, which back then was like way too fucking long for them. Nowadays, you could pull this off in two hours and everybody would be okay with it probably, but they're trying to hit points really quick because back then they were being rushed along. Um, so DJ, he's finally come around and he admits, you know, like this ship has been beyond what we know. It's been beyond science and reason. Like anything could be happening. We just don't even know. Um, luckily for them, though, the Lewis and Clark is ready. Um, actually, no, it's just nearly ready. Peters and Lieutenant Stark finally crack the video log and it is torture. Like everyone's like having their innards being ripped out, their eyes being ripped out. The captain of the old the ship is like offering his eyeballs to the camera, speaking in Latin and everybody's screaming and it's just like it's fucking madness. And I feel like this is a lot of the two hours that they lost and I am so sad. I want to see the behind the scenes for this. I want to see more of this. I just want, like, a movie that's literally, like, a smash cut of all the shit that's happening in the background, of all the things that, like, because that just fascinates me, and I'm that person. But anyway, um, Captain's like, what the fuck? We have to leave. And Weir's like, no, we can't leave. This is my ship. We're supposed to be bringing it back. That's our mission. We can't abandon our mission. And the captain says, no way, Jose. We are leaving, and we're going to vaporize the fuck out of this piece of shit hellhole. <laughs> And 
which is like the best choice ever. Like, go Captain Miller. Fishburne is the best. <laughs> He's who you want on your team because he knows what needs to be done and bitch is gonna do it. I love him. As soon as he says that, though, of course, the event horizon goes wild and Weir says, you can't leave, she won't let you, and then, like, disappears into the darkness and you're like, okay, well, Weir's officially gone. He's totally lost it. Peters is gathering CO2 capsules down by the engine with Smithy. And then as they're about to leave, she's the last one to leave the room, and she gets drawn into the core by her son. She's like, she turns, she hears laughing, she turns around, she sees her son running, and she's like, oh my goodness, so she chases after him, and he goes up this ladder, so she goes up this ladder, and then as soon as she's like three flights up, she sees him standing across the way, and she goes to embrace him, and it's a trap. She does not see the giant hole right in front of him, and she falls to her death. She, like, slams into the railing at the bottom of the core and just fucking dies. Weir shows up then, and he's like, oh, Peters, but, like, come on, man, you don't really give a fuck. Don't play those games. You're possessed by the ship. He hears his wifey, so, like, he's very obviously, like, who gives a fuck? Um, he, there's a vision of him at home and Claire's getting ready and he's trying to like, like he's talking to her and he's like, you know, I'm so sorry, this and that. And he's trying to make amends with her. Clearly he's pleading with her. Um, but she keeps getting ready and she keeps doing her thing and she's in her bathrobe and he's begging her not to, not to do this, you know, and she gets in the tub and then like, clearly we understand what's going on. She slits her wrists and as she does, he's, like, crying, and she's like, it's okay, we can be together, and gouges his fucking eyes out. And then we cut again, and Smith sees Weird Weir, and he's like, uh, Captain Weir's doing some bullshit again, and Captain gets off the Lewis and Clark, and is running through, uh, the bridge of the Vent Horizon, and he sees that one of the explosives from the bridge is missing, and he's like, Smith, you gotta get out of there. He's gonna blow up the Lewis and Clark, like the explosives on the ship. And Smith goes looking for it because he's like, fuck that. Smith has been super against the event horizon this whole time. He's been like, that ship is fucked. It is horrible. It's the devil. And he's like, he's, he's, he knows right from the start that that shit smells fishy. And he's like, all against it. Like, Weir's like, we should be on the event horizon. And Smith is like, you're fucked in the head, mate. So Smith is like, desperately trying to stay off of Event Horizon this whole movie. He's like, I'd rather be in space than in this stupid ship. So he goes looking for that explosive, and he finds it. Hip, hip, hooray. Oh, never mind. Oh, shit, it's too late. He has, like, five seconds, and he just has this, like, dismal expression, and then the Lewis and Clark blows up. And Smith was inside. Cooper was outside of it, still trying to fix it. So... Cooper gets blasted into space and starts moving. And because of how space is, like, there is no slowing down your momentum. So he's just going to keep going whatever direction he's going. So as Cooper's going, he's like, I got to think, I got to think, I got to think. He decides, I'm going to blow some of my air tank out to get back to the event horizon, which is smart because all he has to do is direct himself and guide himself. He doesn't have to keep using the air. He just got to pop a couple of, like, streams I guess you would call it air streams he's just got to do that a few times to direct himself back um as that's going on captain tells DJ what happened he's and he's like kill Weir on site that guy is fucked up and DJ's like 
Um, he grabs a knife, so Captain leaves, and DJ grabs a knife, and he's like, don't worry, Captain, I've got this. And then he turns it around and immediately gets fucked up by Weir. <laughs> it's so sad, he literally has not even a second. He has no fight. Weir, like, lifts him up and just, like, fucks him up. And then, uh, as they, like, when they come back to the med bay, they see that he has been blood-eagled, which is super fucking rad. And it's so far away, like, I wish we could have seen it more close up, because I'm just grotesque like that. But, um, I mean, they put it in the movie to be grotesque, so, like, obviously, they should have gotten a close-up shot of it. But I'm sure the producers were like, hell no, we're not doing that. Or, well, not the producers, but the production company was like, hell no. We don't want this to be worse than it is. And back then, I mean, you got to give them credit. Things were a little stricter back then than they are now. But anyway, um, the captain decides to get locked and loaded. He goes and grabs, like, a nail gun, basically. I assume it's, like, 50 times more, like, pressure than an air gun, I guess you would say. Like, the the amount of force it puts behind it, that's what it is. The force behind it is probably way worse than an actual nail gun. Because it's got a, like, it's what they were using to repair the hull in outer space. So, he grabs that, and he heads to the hull. And he finds Stark, Lieutenant Stark on the floor. R.I.P. Lieutenant Stark. Just kidding, she's alive still. So, he's, like, trying to save her. Um... And he, he's like, here, get on, get on my shoulder. He's trying to wobble her, like, limp with her back. And as they're trying to leave, um, Weir turns in the captain's chair, like, literally the grossest Sith Lord. And he's got no eyes. And, of course, this is crazy monologue time. We finally made it to crazy monologue time. And part of his monologue is, I invented the event horizon to reach the stars, but she's gone much further than that. And he's, like, talking about, um, you know, just, like, his accomplishment and how great the event horizon is. And he makes it very clear that he's going to take them all to hell. Um, which, of course, Lieutenant and Captain are not cool with that. Um, Stark has been trying to sneak up behind him, and she goes to attack him, but Weir grabs her and literally lifts her with one hand. And, and then the Captain's gonna go for him, but Weir somehow has the bolt gun, so he's pointing that at, um, the Captain. And then as they're having their, like, standoff, Cooper flies into the windshield, and Weir shoots at him, and it breaks the whole hole open. And then, of course, space is pulling at them because it's a vacuum. And Miller pulls himself outside of the hole, and it starts to seal itself. But he, like, props something in the door so he can pull Stark through. And the airlock activates, um, and it's going to shut itself, and he just barely manages to save Stark. Um, oh, no, just kidding. A different airlock activates after that. So he pulls Stark through, and then the airlock activates to the outside, and they're kind of afraid it's weird, so they both grab weapons, but then it's just Cooper, and they're like, oh, thank fuck, it's Cooper. And the new plan now is to blow up the bridge before the gateway opens, because Weir's made it clear he's gonna open the gateway. They're gonna activate the emergency beacon, go into stasis, and just peace the fuck out of there. Um, so they're getting ready for the gravity couches, the stasis couches, and blood fucks everything it up. Just starts flooding in the med area and down, and it, like, knocks over Cooper and Stark, and Miller is going to arm the bombs. And as he's doing so, the human torch reappears, 
to scare Miller and drags him into the gravity core room or the engine room and sets him on fire for like two seconds. And then the guy on fire turns into Weir, who does more monologuing. Um, but the captain's like, fuck this, we're not going to hell. They start punching each other, which is a lot of fun. Like, Weir can literally set himself on fire and set Captain on fire, but instead he, he like, opts for, like, fist fighting with him. <laughs> and it's, like, really over-the-top fist fighting with over-the-top sounds. It's great. I love it. Um, and then as the gateway starts to open, the captain is like, hey, take me save my crew and Weir's like no way everybody's going to hell so captain of course does the best thing ever a true man he's like fuck you blows the bridge up and then the event horizon Weir and the captain get shot off probably to hell um the back of the event horizon disappears um the front floats off into space with Stark, cooper and justin because they had already put justin in the stasis couch and then we get another card that says 72 days later, Rescue 1, whatever that is, approaches the wreckage of the Event Horizon. Gravity Couches have three survivors, they say, um, and they're going to get Stark out of one, and there's like a rescue guy in his full gear, so you can't see his face, and he's like, it's okay now, it's okay. And then he pulls off his helmet, and he's like, you're home. And she's like, ah, and freaks out. Of course, it's a dream. Uh, the real rescue team supposedly is here and everything is fine and Cooper's like hey calm down we're safe we're safe we're safe and you know he's like everything is gonna be fine or is it bam 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 I don't know I've, and that's like the end of the event, event horizon um I feel like maybe they had kept it open-ended for a sequel. I'm sure that's what the director would have wanted. Like I said, this is kind of like his brainchild. It's his baby. Um, and I would have loved a sequel to The Event Horizon because this kind of shit is amazing. Um, I wish the ending was a little bit more final, though. Um, I know probably, like I said, they're hoping for a sequel. It never happened. Um, but a little bit more finality would have been nice. Um, and like I said, I want that missing footage. I fucking want it. Someone find it. You bitches. Find it. You Hollywood bitches find it right now. And you bring it to us. I will pay money for it. Um, another thought that I had was like, you know, this movie, I mean, it was done in 97. And it's done really well for 97. I think they made a lot of smart choices with like, they decided to go for practical effects mostly instead of... CGI, because the very bare minimum CGI that they had really didn't look great. I mean, it's 1997, um, but if this had been done in like 2003 or 2005 or some shit, I'm sure everything would have been CGI and it would have looked fucking awful. Um, this movie, though, I think it could use a reboot. Like, I'd be fine with that. Like a reboot or a remake or a recall. I don't care. Um, I'd be super, super down for that. Because, like I said, this movie just has, like, a really interesting premise. I don't know if... I don't think I, like, explained it. And I, the movie doesn't exactly explain it detail by detail. But when they... They kind of assume that, like, when the event horizon jumped into a different dimension, they jumped into one of the circles of hell or some shit. And then they came back. So they're like, the ship itself is haunted. The ship lives and she thinks and she breathes. And it's basically a demon ship. And I think that's super fun, like, demon ship in space. That sounds fucking awesome. 
Not to be on, of course, but, like, for a scary movie, it's a really cool premise. And I'd really like to see it done and just kind of, like, let the director do what he wants. Like, let him go ham. Let him just have his brain child be. Um, I think that would be a really cool movie to see. But, uh, anyway, yeah, that was the Event Horizon, guys. Um, if you have not seen it and you'd like to see it, I am going to put a link in the description so that you can buy it off of Amazon. I also am going to have a couple more links in the description. One of them will be for um, Audible. Um, if you use that link and download Audible and start a free trial, it gives me a kickback. Plus, like, Audible is, like, free books, um, audiobooks. It's not free, but it's audiobooks. Um, your subscription isn't that much a month, and you get to listen to books. So if you're the kind of person who, like, has your hands busy all the time, super good for you. My mom... She, she's super excited because she's almost finished with the first Harry Potter book. She's only like 20-something years late, but you know what? She's getting there, and she's super excited about it. She's listened to like seven other books this year, too, which is super good number for her. Especially like if you're someone with ADD or ADHD, and you don't want to sit down and fucking read, you can listen, and that's good, too. Um, and it's got everything from horror to fantasy to learning, so... Go check it out. Um, if you think there's something you'd like on there, like I said, use the link in the description. Get a th free 30-day trial. If you don't like it, you can stop. If you do like it, you can keep going. I get a kickback if you do that either way. So live your best life with that. And um, yeah, this has been the Beware the Moon podcast. Also, shout out to Space Texan over on Rumble for requesting this. This was this has always been a good movie. Like I've to me, like I've always enjoyed it. And I haven't seen it in a while, so it got me to rewatch it. So thanks, Space Texan. Everyone, if you enjoyed this podcast, also thanks, Space Texan, over on Rumble. And I will be doing some collabs soon, hopefully with Sophomore John over on Rumble as well. You can find him on Twitter um, and Rumble. His streams are always fun. Come hang out with us. I hang out there quite frequently just because I like the environment. Everybody's really chill and nice, so... Um, Come hang out with me there, or you can always hit me up on Twitter at Beware Moon. Uh, thanks, guys. If you have any requests, let me know. I'm more than happy to take them. And I'm more than happy to get Rex to recommendations, so hit me up with those as well. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening. I appreciate every one of you. Um, interact with me. I love that stuff. Let me know what's up. Let me know what you thought of this one in the comments. Let me know on my Twitter account. You can find this on rss.com, you can find it on Spotify, you can find it on Rumble, you can find it on YouTube, you can find it pretty much everywhere there are podcasts. So um, if you like this, share it with your friends. Um, if you want to watch the movie, like I said, put a link in the description below so you can buy it. Buying is always nice. If not, I don't know where you can stream it. Um, I'll look into that. I know it's not on Shudder. I have Shudder, so I know it's not on there. Um, but hit those up. Let me know what you thought. And let me know if you've got anything you'd like to hear me talk about. Anyway, thank you guys, as always. I think I already said that. But thank you, as always, for listening, guys. Thanks for putting up with my ADD, ADHD-ness. And stay tuned for me, my collabs with Sophomore John and Irish. Um, hopefully, Charlie Brown will be joining us, too, for that. Not sure yet, but it just kind of depends on timing. And stay safe, y'all. Stay golden. And as always, beware the moon, especially when you're in space. <laughs>